0: Welcome to the Meltzone Podcast. This is episode 59. I'm Tom. And
1: I'm Stefan. Um, and on, well, this episode, which, uh, well, we had quite a break in between, uh, we are talking about, well, what happened at the Midwest Rap Rap Festival 2020 that I visited last weekend. And I'm unfortunately still in COVID uh, quarantine. I enjoyed my time there. But yeah, let me uh, tell you a bit about uh, why I enjoyed it that much. Um, Yeah, on other news, um, it is already a bit late, but Ultimaker and MakerBot merged together forming a new company, I guess. And it's gonna be interesting to see what uh, will happen um, with their individual 3D printers and also maybe, for example, Thingiverse. other Ultimaker stuff that we're gonna talk about is Cura's new slicing engine the Arachne slicing engine which like dynamically adjusts the flow rate of your hot end or the extrusion width of your hot end to uh, be way more flexible and maybe even produce way nicer parts than um, we used to have in the past uh, interesting thing the new Prusa slicer version um, the alpha currently released uh, version 2.5 also already implemented that so we hopefully gonna have that really new game-changing slicing engine in well the two leading slices that
0: we usually use and this is all possible thanks to uh, cura being open source and thanks to crucious license of being open source. And of course, where there is stuff given away for free, there are other companies who make use of that, and that is really good, but they also should release the source codes when they use GPL or AGPL-licensed stuff. And apparently Lab are not doing that, so we do a bit of a run around the block um, when it comes to how open source should work, how they're using that, and what to do there when it's not done quite properly. One example there is uh, Kitty, who due to a shitstorm, due to community pressure, as one would say nicely, um, immediately released their source code for an improved version of Cura that they built. And to finish out um, with some more Kickstarter stuff is a question about the Plybot, which is Brooke Drum's project from last year. And we kind of follow up to what has happened there and what is going to happen to that project and to the pledges. Well, that is good. How are you? Are you good as well?
1: Here I am
0: are. I am better than
1: expected, to be honest. So yeah, I'm currently in COVID isolation. And maybe you can even spot it in the background. Nah, I think mm. let me see There's my <laughs> So there's my bed that I have been using for the last seven days. So yeah, if if you guys haven't read it somewhere else i was at the midwest rap, rap festival in Goshen, indiana last weekend and uh, yeah when i came back home i tested
0: positive for COVID. you were uh, good one, thing of, for me. one of many yeah. one
1: of many unfortunately yeah um but i'll get to that in a second so i already took tests with me because i of course knew of the risks and I was already planning to of course do a test before I get back home to my family. And when I landed back in Munich, I already heard of a couple of others that tested positive. So I already feared the worst and uh, yeah, the worst came true. So it has a positive in my car. Then also did go to one of our test centers that we have uh, right around the corners they also um yeah tested me positive and so before meeting my family i took all of my stuff up into my office and basically locked myself in there for the
0: last seven days now um but you've got you've got everything you need you've got a 3d printer in there i guess you've got a computer you've got a camera you can you can do everything right so the thing is camera Yes, I do, but my
1: my my camera or my HDMI cables—they are already in my in my new office. So the camera quality, even though it had has already been kind of bad, the last last bunch of episodes, it's it's even worse right now because I'm just using like a cheap web camera. Um, yeah, Zoom so, so crushes it anyway. So <laughs> yeah. So the second day, I already asked my dad because I knew that I still had um, a Prusa Mini Plus kit at my office and i have had that for the last year never built it because i never found the time i already asked him hey can you please go to my office and maybe put that box in front of my office so this was something that entertained me for for a day or so so i built the machine of course i do have my uh, pc in here i already did a bunch of editing gaming um, and just catching up with all of the things from from my trip but yeah most of the time i've i've been staying here un- unfortunately and it's, and it's a bit hard for me because i hear my family downstairs but i can't really
0: interact with them my wife's just yeah. putting food <laughs> food on a table in front of my in front of my door you're doing the the prison treatment you need to get like a little slot in the door yeah something you can just like poke that <laughs>
1: Yeah, and when I need to shower, I just wear my mask. Um,
0: well, hopefully not be... in the shower.
1: <laughs> well, not, not in the shower, but I yeah. vent afterwards. And yeah. when I knew that I was probably positive with, with COVID, I took a couple of air filters with me from my new studio. And every time when I was for a longer period of time with, without the mask in, in my shower, I... Properly vent, of course and then i just leave the the air cleaner running overnight until my wife and baby get get in there again and so far uh they didn't catch anything which is which is good yeah and i don't regret that decision i didn't have a ton of symptoms so i had a really sore throat but that was also because I screamed for three days straight and I'm just not used <laughs> as, to that. As one does on, on shows and conventions, yeah. Exactly. And then just like a runny nose. Uh, I didn't have, I didn't really have a fever. I Fortunately, my brain felt fine all of the time. So uh, yeah, for that reason, yeah, it was more just like being locked in here and not being able to do anything than really feeling feeling like sick so yeah, i'm that, ki- quite happy about that.
0: that that sounds pretty much uh how i feel when i get home from from any sort of international trips uh, <laughs> it's just <laughs> i always catch something um yeah yeah th- let's hope for you that you, you don't end up with any long-term right. stuff um but yeah if that's all it was then mm-hmm. w- well, well played uh, and
1: i have to add that i felt that i was the only person wearing a, a proper mask in the airplane i was Uh, very much in the minority of wearing a mask when i was at the venue at murph of course there i have been
0: shout out to to justin esserlotte by the way um in all the photos you see him as as like one of the one of the last bastions of of people who wear a mask and i almost feel bad for it not going because i i would have worn a mask as well and it's just you know showing support for the people who have to wear a mask for for whatever reason because they, yeah. they can you know because they have vulnerable families etc we've we've <coughs> talked about this before there you go <laughs> yeah just lay it all out um yeah just for support and yeah. i'm i'm seriously considering going to to earth um and just doing the reasonable thing maybe skipping social events i don't know it feels bad but i want to go you you, but then, like, you, yeah.
1: you can also join the social events and and if you want to be safe just wear a mask there so Brittany uh, who's called uh, I don't remember the, her Twitter handle uh, I think she's like a, 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 tw- a twitch maker and streamer there um, she has been wearing a mask all of the time at birth and most of the time at the events at night and she didn't catch it as well I didn't wear my wa- mask at night because I thought yeah it's a a risk that i need to take now the group is way smaller we only were like 10 to 20 people
0: but yeah yeah. it's it's you don't want to be awkward you don't want to stand out that's uh that's the basic the basic problem with everything right and it's hard talking
1: inside of a mask when it's already loud
0: yeah so (laughs) anyway but that's 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 your covid story how was the how was murph in general i mean you, you had a you had a good time nonetheless right
1: Yes, I I don't regret going there. It was a really nice event in Goshen, Indiana, in uh, not Mormon uh, country, in uh, Amish, Um, Amish Amish country. country, Yeah, Uh, we one time we were at at Aldi at the Aldi store, and there were like four or five horse carriages (laughs) hitching at the hitching post in front of Aldi. That is something you definitely need to experience at some point and we saw them last time when we were at the uh, at the walmart Uh, really interesting um it was just nice meeting so many people again especially um, due to all of the ones you got to know during the last three years because when i was there last time i of course i had a couple of subscribers but i was not as (laughs) <laughs> as I am today uh, but yeah just over the years you, you met. I met so many people just over Twitter and YouTube and, and 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 emails and it was finally the event again to talk to them in person and this is the thing I enjoyed so much the thing is uh, this year and last year they already had a big bigger venue site so the first time when I was there it was just Two kind of small sheds where it was really, yeah. where it was even hard during times to walk between the aisles yeah. because everything
0: was stuffed. Yeah, when, when we were um, there, it was crazy. People were it saying crazy. It's, it's, it's a bit of a safety yeah. risk because if if there's something going on, like you, you're going to trample people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: this time it was one really big venue site, and I think they actually even planned for two. But uh, so
0: same same location, same yes. country fairgrounds um, yes. or county fairgrounds. Yeah. Um, but different building this time. Yeah. So different. Not building. in the, not in the um, cattle auction house, but some other thing. I think it's I think it's
1: still um, a building for for cattle auctions. Um, there wasn't any like weird smell in there. It's just way bigger, really right. way 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 bigger. Which was nice because everything spread out more especially like with with COVID, you didn't touch people all of the time. Um, it was a bit unfortunate that it felt way less crowded. So I did have the impression that there weren't that many exhibitors, professional and, and just makers there. That's my impression. I don't know if it's just due to the looks and to the bigger event but it wasn't that crowded as i I was hoping for or (sighs) there weren't as many projects exhibited there as as i hoped for
0: okay let me put it this way but what 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 did you see i mean before we spend like the entire episode talking about work what what was the like the one thing that that stood out to you that that was your highlight of the event um i think there weren't as many highlights
1: as, as last time because not that many were there. The 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 projects I made videos about, so I decided to not cover any any companies or things like that. I yeah. wanted to find really interesting maker projects. Um, so the first video that I just finished this morning is about the mostly printed 3D printer. Um, this was already a project that was presented there three years ago, but I still found it so impressive, so I had to cover it. Um just to see what 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 can be done and uh, pushing that to the next level. Then um, color lithophanes. Uh, I never printed a lithophane, but seeing this color lithophanes and the way how they are printed, it's not like a normal lithophane and then just a printed color layer, like a paper printed color layer on the yep. background. but they really split up an STL into different colors, CMYK uh, or C actually, Cyan magenta, yellow and white to get the different hues and the different colors. Really interesting projects, uh project, and I loved to see the colors that that they got out of that. Yeah. Um then a micro CNC router. I was that, that's an interesting I, I story. I
0: asked you for, for one thing and, and apparently oh. that there that there was there was enough to see there, right? There was you know, you're saying, Oh, it, it felt empty, but it's still of it course. was still a show worth going to a, a bit
1: definitely definitely and i think there would have been even more interesting projects but i just did not have the time to spend like 15 minutes at at each of the booth to understand what they are yeah. doing yeah, yeah. um so i had to look for the ones that where it popped out where i said oh that looks interesting let's let's spend a bit of time with them because the venue is basically like one and a half days so it's it's friday till sunday but friday is just set up yeah set up and everything saturday is the big day when most of the exhibitors are there but many of them already pack up saturday night and won't be there sunday and on sunday it usually closes or usually most of them are already gone at, at noon so i just had like a good day available to scan around and find interesting projects yeah. um to, to to feature on
0: the I channel mean, when, when when you're there for business i mean yeah youtube yeah. is a business in in the end uh you do have to to make sure you make content you do have to make sure you make content mm. on interesting stuff yeah. and as, as we've recently or as i've recently experienced uh quite strongly is it's like you need to make you need to cover stuff that makes for a good immediate impression on a thumbnail. Yeah. Um, so that's that's obviously what what you're looking for as well. And like I said, you can't talk to everyone. And even though it might be a, a cool story, if it's not immediately apparent, mm. then yeah, it, so, it ain't gonna yeah, be. Unfortunately,
1: uh, yeah. very unfortunate. So so one one project, I at first didn't understand and didn't want to cover, but then understood, but. Then when I got there for filming, he already had everything packed up. Uh, yeah. Was a <sighs> so he had ro- so he built a device where you could put in rotary molds that you would also use in in casting, for example. Right. But he put three um, D printing resin in there. And he had a sophisticated setup of of UV lights around the machine. So transparent molds, basically. Exactly, with a transparent mold. Um, I didn't understand in the beginning, but during that day, I thought, oh, yeah, that is a really nice idea. And I would like to feature him, but then I got there and he was already gone. So that was unfortunate. And this is one of the things that I learned. I need to even better play uh, a plan. Yeah beforehand that things like that don't happen anymore um the anyways yeah it was interesting um so the days themselves are really nice but also the nights spending with different people that again i have only known over the internet over the years and just meeting them and and, and talking to them yeah. um over beer
0: so yeah. events events in the end are always networking sessions as well yeah and that's that's Probably the the bigger part of an event uh, versus just getting content for for YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. The, the the YouTube the YouTube stuff really is it is hard work. Um. How I usually approached events was like, uh, first half day. Um. If it's a community event, usually you get you get crowded, you get you get swallowed <laughs> by the crowd, um, and it's just like, hey, Tom, come over here, and it's like, you just meet and greet people. There's like half a day of scanning around, of, of of making a battle plan and scheduling interviews and filming slots with people. And then if there's a second day, either, you know, catch people before they back up mm. or just film the whole day and have your schedule planned out. Yeah. So, yeah, spend some time, schedule some time for yourself to just scan around and to make a battle plan and then work to that and have your slots done and have people know when you're going to be there. Yeah, Um, and that usually works out but it is it is stressful it is work for sure
1: yeah i need to gather more experience in that regard to if if i also gonna be at at earth to make a better job there but that's the thing i never did it before so first experience hope it worked out for the videos that i made and next time just can be better
0: yeah i don't know maybe, maybe we can work out something for earth if i decide to go um and just just double team the event <laughs> yeah we'll see yep. but let's start <laughs> yeah we're gonna get a lot more coughs in <laughs> so let's what?
1: maybe one last thing why haven't why haven't we recorded an episode for so long?
0: We've just been busy, and life's been getting in the way. I've I've gotten the studio. You've gotten the studio. Uh, it's just everyone's just.
1: Last time we recorded, water was running. Uh, water was running into your house.
0: That too, yeah. I had to. F- what was that? Oh yeah, that was the last time we scheduled before you yeah. took off for for holiday. for Murph. Ho- no, before for, holiday. For Hol- yeah. yeah, exactly. Then he then he went on holiday. Then he went to Murph. then called it. Yeah then COVID, and of course that's not great for recording spoken episodes yeah uh yeah stuff's been getting in the way we're gonna try and schedule these a bit more regularly and just go like, okay we're recording monday 2 p.m today um let's try again in two weeks and just have that in there as a as an appointment yeah um so we can cover more
1: recent topics or topics when 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 they're happening so it's
0: even more interesting for you. And of course, what's what's also better if we have a a regular recording schedule is working with sponsors because they kind of want to know when we record stuff. And in fact, today's episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is your solution for anything that you want to run in the cloud. Build applications using their simple graphical cloud manager with full control on the command line or through their API. You can quickly scale to your needs from an affordable virtual server that can handle a simple website, uh, a service, or a game server, and scale all the way up to dedicated GPU, to dedicated CPU cores, hundreds of gigabytes of RAM, and of course, also a dedicated GPU in the form of a Quadro RTX 6000. Yeah, Linode lets you choose in
1: which of their eleven data centers around the world you want to run your application, all at the same affordable prices. Uh that also makes it easy to bring your hosting in compliance with GDPR, Privacy Shield, HIPAA or PCI
0: DDS DSS. Um, So yeah, Linode wanted us to do this a bit more off the cuff, so we're we're just running with it. Um, Whether you're developing a personal project or managing larger workloads, you deserve simple, affordable and accessible cloud computing solutions. Um, Cut your cloud builds in half with Linode's transparent and affordable pricing, develop, deploy and scale your modern applications faster and easier. Linode offers 24-7,
1: 365 days a year human support for all of your projects. Uh, get started on Linode today with $100 in free credit for listeners of our podcast, so The Melt Zone. Uh, you can find all of the details at linode.com slash themeltzone or in the show notes below. Perfect. So yeah, if, if, if we are not that planned out, we are unable to cover very recent events uh, but still there was something very interesting happening almost two months ago we we quickly want to talk about and that's um, MakerBot and Ultimaker agreed to merge um, yeah I don't know if that's mm, that now that now means that they are one company or that they're now just very closely working together
0: the new entity the new backed entity. by existing in, uh, investors, uh, yeah. NPM Capital and Stratasys. So basically, they are now one, they're working under one new parent company, I guess, since yes. the two brands are going to continue to yeah. exist. The interesting thing is
1: MakerBot is Ulti, MakerBot is owned by Stratasys. So it's yeah. where does Stratasys belong there? Well, anyways, they um, yeah agreed on merging to accelerate their global adoption as uh, to accelerate the global adoption of uh, additive manufacturing, which is an interesting thing, because um, I, for example, never saw an Ultimaker here at a company in Europe. And it's probably quite similar that there aren't a lot of Ultimakers in the US. So both had their markets. And with the merger, they You've do have the pos- a lot of Makerbots here in Europe. So I, okay, I yeah. haven't seen a lot of maker bots go there, there you in YouTube. Go. Yeah, uh, here. <laughs> I'm already <laughs> getting tired. There are uh, definitely haven't seen
0: makers out there. In yeah,
1: Europe. I haven't seen a lot of uh, maker bots here in Europe. Uh, Europe is very Ultimaker dominant. Uh, the US is very maker bot dominated. So it's going to be interesting to see what what happens if if we now see more of both in well on both continents. Or if they're just, well, bringing out new machines that cater to both markets. And not only machines, but also software.
0: I mean, the they, they do fit together pretty well, I would say. So Ultimaker has always been like the, the premium, uh, well, comparatively compared to some simpler machines that, that we have in, in the hobby grade. Um, has always tried to be like the premium option that you can l- use commercially that's like professional 3D printing, but not quite a Stratasys or, or HP or whoever else machine. Yeah. Um, whereas Makeabot has been, I think, really getting a grip in like the education space. Mm. Um, schools, and they've got the curriculums and curricula curriculums, mm. uh, and all that worked out. Um, and they're just dominant in, in like the, the, the education space. Mm-hmm. So that... Together, that they're not competing for the same market, really, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, MakerBot has tried with their, however it's called, their like enclosed thing. and we've method. covered the method, yeah, um, to kind of get into that same market, but I've not yes. seen much of that. I don't think that that's been too much of a success.
1: But I uh, think the reason for that is because they're not that s- strong around here, or.
0: P- possible just it might be possible. different in, in the us yeah possible
1: obviously but um yeah if they are catering to different markets or if they're catering to the same markets just on different continents i th- think it makes sense because um for once they got a ton of new investment money for that acceleration yeah. for that growth um, and for example, like slicer development, um everything that's going on in the background, uh like I don't know print scheduling mm. and so on, just and so the forth. entire backend, yeah the for- the entire back end this could now get to a single platform that's easy or that's that's cheaper for them to develop because or not cheaper, but at the same price they can use it basically yeah. for, for two companies
0: well, half the price, yeah, <laughs> there you have the price.
1: And also for for hardware, it's it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I'm quite excited how that's that's gonna end. And what
0: I'm also excited about, uh, what's happening to Thingiverse? Yeah, because now they have two platforms that are both kind of dead in the water. Well, Thingiverse is still strong because they're like they were the first ones. Because but but then there's YouMagine from Ultimaker. Yep. Um Singverse you both kind of the same thing and imagine's not been getting that much traction. I think that they're still hanging in there, but I never used Umention. Um so I I went to imagine and uploaded a bunch of stuff there um when they came out just to kind of support the underdog. Um yeah. it's the same with Intel versus AMD like I, I I tended to gravitate towards AMD because Intel was just so dominant. I was like, "Hey, we need some alternatives here." um so i i went there and it's a it's a good platform like it's from a technical standpoint it's fine it is much better than thingiverse for sure um but yeah is there now a reason to keep both of them around um and that's that that's just well the thing is keep both end. of them around
1: thingiverse is just hanging on its threads <laughs> it's it's it doesn't seem that there's a lot of effort put into that side but of course uh are they going to drop
0: one of them are they maybe even improving thingiverse again yeah i mean if anything they probably drop you imagine um guess yeah. thingiverse is just that the household brand um it's what everyone talks about when when you say hey look it up on thingiverse right yeah um even though they might mean printables <laughs> but, yeah uh, yeah, so that's, that's interesting. Also, like you said, the, the entire thing, is it going to be one common platform that has like MakerBot as the low-end brand and then Ultimaker as the higher-end mm. brand? Is it just going to be one continuous spectrum or are they really going to keep operating like two independent but sister companies? Yeah. Um, they, yeah they, they do share some of the principles, values, like the somewhat proprietary somewhat um yeah you know what i mean that they're both kind of doing their own thing and trying to build their Mm. own closed ecosystem in a way um and whether it's going to be one big closed ecosystem or not we will see we don't know well to be to be honest
1: um ultimakers ecosystem is is not that closed but they are giving customers the option to use their ecosystem which is right very well working and tuned in and i think this especially caters to companies that don't have a lot a lot of experience in that field because just buy everything from ultimaker uh slicer material material station what they're now having and the printer and it's gonna work for you so that's nice and they're offering they they have companies that offer the support on on those machines yeah but if you want to add your own filament your totally free to do yeah. you can even use your own G code.
0: yeah absolutely yeah. so we will see and thankfully ultimaker are still releasing stuff as open source as they've always done um not the printers anymore i believe but for sure cura the ultimaker 3 is still open
1: source i don't was
0: know there so- ever anything released i think there was like announcement it's going to be open source but was there ever stuff released let me, let me look at it yes there
1: quick. was so i i am sure because i have already downloaded parts of the ultimaker 3 for example, you you can get everything from the print course it's not well uh, so you get um cad files from everything um but i think there aren't any like manufacturing drawings and and, and things like that that you would probably need to recreate an ultimaker
0: wow this Holy crap this GitHub repository is atrocious. 5 years it ago is. some somebody just dumped uh yeah exactly what is this probably 150 folders with cryptic names like these are called 1928-k uh 1963-o and it's one step file there's no doesn't look like there's an assembly 3d model step.zip um PCB files those are there hmm. but it's uh, it doesn't feel like an open source project. It feels like somebody was like, we need to publish this. And they, they just dumped an export. <laughs> There's no development happening there, right? No,
1: it's it's it definitely is not. So but,
0: technically open source, I guess. What's the license yeah. on this? I don't
1: know if they're really claiming... Creative
0: Commons attribution non-commercial. So that's mm-hmm. already arguably not open source with the NC clause. Yeah. At least Cura is still open source. Yes,
1: and that is a good thing because many of us are using it. And um, so I recently even did did a poll on, um, as a YouTube, um, how's it called? A community community post. Yeah. Community post, and uh, I think almost two thirds. Of the ones who who voted are still using Cura as their daily driver, huh. which is interesting. So is, is
0: that all the people who come from uh, from trucks videos um, just set up there in the three and and are now doing the um, doing, doing the Cura setup profiles? I I think so.
1: The the Enders and all of the ender derivatives they do still have a quite big market share and many of them are just using Cura because either they're using Creality Slicer, which is a skinned Cura.
0: Technically, yeah.
1: Or they are switching to Cura because they want to use the, the most recent features and it's very similar to what they're used to. And Cura is not a bad slicer. No, it's, it's fantastic, not. absolutely. Um, but yeah, they're still domin- dominating the uh, the Slicer market. And for that reason, so the numbers are right here. Um, I don't know if it's completely representative of all of 3D printing makers, but I think I have quite a diverse audience uh, because I think Chuck did the same poll on his channel, but he is mainly doing like endor stuff. So his ratio was way worse, was uh, way different. So on my poll, 55% said that they are using um, Cura or derivatives like Cura Slicer. 39% said that they're us- using Prusa Slicer or Super Slicer or Slick 3R. Uh, 3% Simplify 3D, 1% Idea Maker. I would have thought huh. more are using IdeaMaker now.
0: Well, I mean, they're, they're kind of a subset of Simplify3D users. I, I, I would yes. put them in.
1: So, But since yeah. they are adding new features, I thought maybe many Simplify3D users sl- uh, switched over to IdeaMaker. But yeah, apparently not. So 1% IdeaMaker and 2% others proprietary slicers for sometimes right. more professional machines or... Um, maybe if you're having a palette and use that all of the time, you're using you're using their cloud software or whatever. Yeah, use. or
0: it's or it's people just using the stock slicers um, and they don't know that it's basically yeah. Cura, something
1: like that. Yeah. So that's okay. interesting. So okay.
0: Pre- pretty strong ba- for Cura there.
1: Back back to the topic and uh, yeah, segueing over to the to the next topic. Um, Cura is still open source. They're still developing it. Quite a bit and over the last even more than a year they have been very uh have been working very hard on their new Cura slicing engine called Arachne. Like spider.
0: Arachne.
1: Arachne to, arachne? to pronounce it the American way. Arachne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, arachne. I, I'll I'll call it arachne. Hate me for it. Um Not and this is a really big step for 3D printing slicers because the approach that they are using for, for slicing models is quite a bit different. It's still just like 2D slicing of, of each layer, but um, the thing what they're doing is they're constantly and dynamically varying the extrusion width that you're printing with. And the cool thing here is that you if you're having walls that are not a multiple of your extrusion width, they are this way able to uh, fill the gap. I think I tried it out for a 0.4 millimeter nozzle. They are varying the extrusion width be- between 0.35 millimeters and 0.8 millimeters. So up to double of the extrusion yep. width and down to a little bit less than. yeah.
0: So that, that really allows you to cover any floating width of extrusion that you want to have with the nozzle with with any nozzle size right if you go from uh, a bit under to 2x Mm. you know if you go over 2x um, then you just add another line and you split it into two Um, so i've actually tried the the arachne um perimeter generation i'm going to say well perimeter and thin line infill i guess um in prusa slicer because prusa slicer 2.5 zero beta now also alpha, alpha sorry um it, it works really well like i found no bugs so I'm i'm gonna call it beta um <laughs> it, it works really well so what was i gonna say um i tried it in in that and i printed a fan trout for the mark Three, yeah. um and the fan trout has those little air guides in there that um guide the air and they're base i think they're two perimeters wide Mm -hmm. um, with a 0.4 millimeter nozzle but i've got a 0.6 revo in there could have swapped it but i was like maybe let's try this arachne thing and it's going to maybe it's going to work and the old prusa slices have the option of of doing detect thin lines where it uses a different way of generating perimeters um and the default where it skips more lines but it's more consistent and Mm -hmm. neither of them worked for the fan trout um, one skipped the air guides completely, the default mm. one. the other one printed the 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 air guides, but had holes in the perimeter uh, mm. because apparently there was some weird size that it couldn't do with arachne flawless mm. every detail printed um the walls are the walls are fine the air guides are fine with a 0.6. absolutely not a problem mm. so honestly, this isn't just like a little slicer upgrade this is really revolutionary for being able to to print finer models and especially fine models in relation to your, your nozzle size yeah so I feel like this is the last step that that really makes a 0.4 nozzle maybe obsolete just you know go <laughs> I've, I've been saying for a while just put a yeah. put a point six and you're gonna be happy with that and, yeah. and now there's really no reason to to stick with the point four. i think mm-hmm. i think arachne plus plus point six can do what a point four would do with the old slicer approaches okay
1: now yeah, that would be really interesting to compare and then you have all of the flexibility in in terms of like just layer height that's really interesting yeah it, it makes designing parts for 3d printing way easier because if you're having like small details on your part you don't need to make sure anymore that you're kind of using a multiple of your extrusion width. And if you are using a different extrusion width for the outer perimeters and the inner perimeters and things like that, it it always got complicated. And this is just solving so many problems. I tried the Arachne, Arachne, Arachne slicing engine, uh, uh, the the Cura that was an alpha half a year ago or something like that it was super unstable so i never really made anything proper with it but um the availability now in, in cura 5.0 and the av- availability now very soon in just like the normal prusa slicer versions is such a leap forward uh, yeah. for nicer parts for flexibility for denser parts because um, either before you had to work with um, the gap infill, which also only just sometimes worked, um, or you had to use the multiples of,
0: of the extrusion width for yeah, wall it's That's going to be different for like every that. every single printer setup. If If some yeah. printer has like... 0.45 as default, and the yeah. other one has 0.35. Like you're gonna run into issues, yeah. And then the the gap infill, fill, like you said, um, either it leaves a gap because it can't fill, yeah. uh, it can't fit a full extrusion width, or it's gonna do that that little nasty jittery, yes. jittery moves, which are horrible yeah. for resonances. They take forever, yes. and usually they're horribly over extruded because they're just moving so slow. So yes, yeah, it solves so many problems. And I'm I'm just I'm kind of surprised honestly that this hasn't been solved before because it was such an obvious issue that was still there. Well, I guess the reason for
1: it is that it's technically not super easy to implement in a slicer and to think about every combination of of part people probably want to sure. print with it. Sure. And that is the reason why, as I said, I think it was half a year or even a year ago when um Ultimaker announced it I think even even further down the road um why it was super unstable at that point if you are and listeners and viewers interested on that topic um I need to put that in the show notes there is a really interesting paper on that topic um on the um uh, variable uh line width for for slicing that they're using um available so this is really interesting um one thing i am excited to see how that well impacts print times because print time well because you're for example getting rid of all of the jittery moves you yeah. don't need to have gap infill for example anymore uh and that might slow up one one or the other print which is really nice uh, you can print uh denser parts um i don't know if that is also like valid for like water tightness of parts but if, if i'm thinking for example about um the uh, BSF ultra material so the right. um, metal powder infused uh, parts if you want to have dense parts also your green part needs to be dense and if the slicer doesn't put material at, at certain locations it won't be dense there and this is fixing so many things it's really cool
0: yeah so Obviously, was what what got us here. Uh, Ultimaker implemented it first yeah. in in Cura, and now Prusa Slicer is pulling along them. And they are saying that they are using Arachne um, for the slicer. You, you can actually pick Arachne as the slicer or perimeter generation mm. engine. I don't I, I don't think it's like straight up copy paste from from Cura. Um, I don't know if they they even use the same programming language. I, I, I no no idea. Um, but at the very least, what what open source allowed them to do is to look at how it's implemented look at look exactly how the code works and rewrite it for their own slices so that is really cool that you know it was released still as open source in cura and it's in the end is profiting everyone
1: yeah and cura did a similar thing in the past where they implemented i think the part orientation and
0: um, auto
1: orientation thing or auto orientation thing from uh, Prusa Slice and to Cura so it's a, a giving and taking and that's the nice thing about open source of course from a business perspective you could argue uh, that that Ultimaker put a ton of development effort into that. And now just Prusha comes along and says, ah, we're going to implement that in our slicer as well. But since their implementation will also need to be open source and maybe they are, I don't know, improving it even uh, in their own way, uh, they can
0: both learn from that. So it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, So yeah, given and taking. Um, A perfect transition to the next topic. There is some giving... And some more taking going on in, in some spaces as well. Um, and that is on Kickstarter, specifically with the Bamboo Lab um, X1. So, this has, the bam, Bamboo Bamboo Lab um, has all happened between when we last recorded an episode and today. So, it's it's all from the first announcement to it being completely over, basically. Um all happened in in this time frame, so that obviously released a a viral um Kickstarter i'd say um a printer you have one I refused um the the samples that they wanted to send me um but it's a it's a crazy printer, super fast quarks Y, how many colors sixteen colors uh, four
1: like stock with the unit, but you could okay. theoretically da-
0: daisy chain four of them depending depending on the setup um like I said, crazy fast, um, software feature wise, top notch from what I've seen. Um, and it is, let's say, liberally grabbing stuff from the, um, from the, from the open source community. I put it in that way that they have been taking everything
1: good that popped up in different projects over the last years and just put it into one single machine yeah um but yeah so um input shaping uh and 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 all of other really well working things but also the slicer that they're using so when i got my printer and and uh got a download link for for their slicer the first thing that i noticed was that this just looks as a like a skinned version of prusha slicer or super slicer because they had some options i knew uh from super slicer that weren't in prusha slicer and there were some things from prusha slicer in there i knew that i think weren't in the latest release of super slicer and um well just asking them they they confirmed uh that and they're also like putting the uh, or put that on their website that the slicer that they're using is based on open source Sorry. Um is based on open source projects, Prusa Slicer yeah. and Super Slicer. Um and they just reskinned it. Um and the thing is that they currently have not released uh the source code for their version, mm-hmm. uh which is against the license, even though as I understood it, even though if they have only shipped it to like beta testers.
0: Yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter. Um they so. Uh, GPL is actually pretty clear about that, Um, or AGPL in the case of of Prussian Slicer, is when you ship a binary, you also need to provide the source code code along with that. Not necessarily to the public, um, or do they? I I don't know if it it needs to be to the public, but at least to the people who got the binary. Um, And, I mean, technically this is software piracy now. Um, It is using software without licensing it was without it being licensed
1: yeah yeah so the thing is i talked to uh just briefly uh, to the ceo about that and he just said yeah they do have the problem that um due to all of the lockdowns in in shanghai and in china they had a very hard time getting hardware to the software developers and they are they need to crunch hours at the moment to make the software properly usable until the Kickstarter units ship. And he said... Of course, it, complying to licenses is very far down on the priority list, as it is usually f- is. far down on the priority list. Yeah. And, and you could also argue um, who has something from the fact that they release a mess, for example, the Ultimaker 3 files, um, to the public, which is undocumented and nobody can really do something just because it's the it's they need to do that per license Um, but they will definitely be be releasing that uh, uh, very soon but um, they're putting so much development effort currently in the software that he said it it doesn't really make sense for them at the moment which all I, sounds
0: so it, it all it sounds like every story i've heard before oh, are we gonna release it soon sure we've once we've got this fixed up
1: i hope <sighs> for the best to be totally honest i have yeah. trust in them i talked to them quite a bit and just also like how the Kickstarter campaign was managed and everything around that, the communication with them and also the things that they released on the Kickstarter page and on their website is in my opinion by far better than anything else I have seen with like similar, ah, similar upcoming products in the past that I have good faith in them that in the next couple of weeks or months when everything is properly working and the kickstarter backers got their unit with working software they gonna release the source code and i i do have the standpoint yes of course it's it's against license but just because license why it doesn't really make sense to release it at the moment right right uh, i'm i mean i'm i'm just playing devil's advocate here no um, it's it's totally fine that this is the interesting thing about that the,
0: at the end of the day the thing is Nobody cares. Like, we we probably care more about this sort of stuff than most users will out there. Yeah. Um, In the end, what the user wants, and this isn't just a a 3D printer thing. This is every product that has some IoT or software component ever. Um, They're all using open source libraries and components. And whether those get released or they modify them and they release the, the modified source code or not, in the end, the user just wants a product that works Exactly. and how that came together. Honestly, y- y- you're not going to get a you're not going to get an, a, a movement together. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, we need these things to be properly released because. Like I said, the, 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 the users individual, don't care. The individual doesn't have the energy to um, to, to decide with their wallet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to buy what works for them. Yeah, I
1: guess. Uh, so in short term it's it's not a problem for anyone but in lo- long term these open source projects because others can can use those improvements that you maybe made or implement those ideas in in their own tools i think mid term and long term this is the problem where things like that really uh well harm Users and other companies, because they cannot build on these improvements, and so inno- innovation is slowed down. And the, I guess, the spirit and the idea behind open source is to have information available publicly, and uh, to quickly be able to, yeah, just just improve on these ideas. Yeah, and um, this is every the the whole like non-commercial. The whole Rapper project is built on that. If, if, if yeah. it wasn't released like open source in the first place, we wouldn't be where we are today, far away from that.
0: Exactly. Um, and the the thing is, it's not that companies like Bamboo Labs aren't supposed to use this. Um, I, I think everyone, that, that's, that, that's the goal of the entire thing is they can build something using publicly available code and information and, and, mm. and tools. But they should also give back what they mm. turn that into, um, and that is just part of the deal. Um, if it's just a siphoning off um, from the freely available materials, then in the end we're, we're all kind of at a loss. So yeah, exactly. And the ones that do
1: open source their stuff, they're just getting screwed over.
0: Exactly. So. Yeah, we're very, very happy that they're building on top of of the stuff, but like, please do it do it properly, do it the right way.
1: Yeah. So the interesting thing here is that something very similar happens to QIDI, the I don't know, also currently a bit hyped uh, a company that makes all of the enclosed high temperature three D printers. Um, they also modified a version of Cura and added, I think. A, a tab structure, which is easier to yeah. uh, browse around the settings. Uh, but they also didn't release the source code to that for for, for quite a while. And when all of the Bamboolab thing uh, popped up, people were pointing out it. same thing with um, with uh, QIDI. Uh, and it only took like a day or two until uh, QIDI, QIDI, sorry, um, uploaded the source code for the Cura version. Um, i guess on facebook so public pressure helps in that regard and yeah. is a good thing but it should be unnecessary yeah
0: um and by the way kitty 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 tech um if it makes it easier there at a six five five one nine five two a on twitter uh that's that's <laughs> much more memorable uh, i was wondering who that was but yeah um I mean, at the end of the day, if you want companies to comply to the licenses they agreed to when they pulled the, the mm-hmm. source files, um, yeah, shitstorms help. Or, yeah. I mean, worst case, but this is this is like the... I, I think nobody wants this. Um, worst case, if they end up using slicer and not releasing the source, um, what Prusa could do is actually order in, an imports ban on, on these machines. Yeah. Um and go, okay, this is using this this contains pirated software um and nobody's gonna be able to import an uh, a Bumblebee x one into the e u um that would be like the last ditch effort um yeah. if worse comes to worse, but then then Prusha's the bad guy, right yeah, <laughs> Prusha won't let me have my x one i can <laughs> I can see the uh, the headlines from uh yeah inclined youtubers um on on those topics already
1: so so i guess in the end it's also a bit of our responsibility as (laughs) let's use the term influencers to use to sometimes use like just the the reach that we we're having to push some of these things through it was the same thing with uh creality when creality didn't um release the source code of a version of Marlin, uh, which they used to, uh, to the, uh, the 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 power out thing, where yeah. I think Naomi actually went to the office yeah. of, of when, Reality and when got, she still got the had code. some
0: some leverage there. Yeah, um, yeah, but that's that that, that can't be the uh, new no, go-to solution. No, it shouldn't. Um, but if nothing else is
1: helping, um, I think it's still a better solution than than a lawsuit. Absolutely. Or maybe maybe at some point a lawsuit might be the right thing to do to warn others. It's like the the pirate that you hang in front of yeah. the harbor. <laughs> yeah, because
0: one, one of the questions that has come up um, on, on Twitter about the entire Prusa Slicer, uh, Bumbleab X1 Slicer thing is like, does the GPL have any teeth? Is this yeah. legally binding, especially when it comes to international law? Like, right, Bamboo Lab are, are a Chinese company uh, Prusha in the Czech Republic in the EU. Like, what are you going to do first of all, pass borders, and, and second of all, like, can you even sue a Chinese company for breaching your license in the EU? Um, because approaches obviously are different when it comes to uh, international uh, international intellectual property. Yeah. So
1: yeah you don't want to go down that road i guess nope. so no nope.
0: we we went down that that road before, and it's yeah. we, we, we never tend to, we never seem to find like a a good answer like hey, do yeah. this, and we're going to solve all the problems so just just not easy because it's yeah it's not an easy thing to solve it's not an easy decision to go open source in the first place yep right so it is yeah let me be a shill
1: for bamboo lab i I have good faith in them, so I hope that they're gonna do their the right thing. Hopefully soon,
0: and I hope I won't get burned for that. Let's hope so. Yeah. yeah. Should we take one last question, which also kind of involves uh, Kickstarter?
1: Yes. Oh, we have so much Kickstarter stuff today.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the thing: Kickstarter was was big in the early days of, of 3D printing um and then there was a phase of okay like, hey, this isn't working out companies that didn't uh fulfill the um what are pledges. they called the pledges yeah um lots of scammy cash grabs or unimpressive machines and stuff but it seems like kickstarter is getting a bit of a um a second second wind or something whatever it's called um where even you know big companies are using it as as pre-order um, when it's like fully developed and they don't need the money they just want to build hype, yeah. um, but apparently also now genuinely good products that deserve the Kickstarter with the crowdfunding, I guess. Yeah, and yeah, one of those one of those projects was uh, Plybot, um, that maybe was kind of not not deserving. Now I I, I don't want to diss the the project here, but. Not, like, super hyped up or anything, but just a project that was maybe at the wrong time. Anyway, the question is uh, from Gentile Giuliano. Um, what about talking of what is happening to Plybot as, as the project and as a company in one of the next Meltzone podcasts? So that's the question. Um, so, to sum up, Plybot was a project by um, Brooke Drum, among others. Yeah, among others, two
1: other guys. So the design of that um, Scara 3D printer was from, I think, a British guy. And he, um, Brooke and uh, uh, Left Iron Wilding, don't know who that is. Uh, Yeah, they they started that uh, project or the project of the the Plybot. But just with like the bot in the end, it very... Much reminds someone of
0: the the printer bots. Yeah, the the way it's built, the way it's it's launched. Obviously, it's got uh, a Ubis on there. Mm. This has the signature, the handwriting of of Brook Drum and his printer bot projects uh, on there. Of course. Um, by the way, for for those of you who don't know Brook Drum, um one of the first successful three D printer kickstarters, and in fact, I think still like up there in in like most successful kickstarters ever. And um, printer bot was like a three hundred. Back then, the unbelievably affordable 3D printer. Um, went through the roof, um, built Printerbot as a company from that, um, and went bankrupt, I think, last year. Um, and so, this last year or two years ago or something. No, oh, it's been longer than that, hasn't it? It's been longer than that. God, it, time flies.
1: I, th- You made an interview yeah. with Brooke, and that was four years ago okay
0: god i'm getting old um so yeah this this is one of the things that that brook is basically coming back with um from that f- f- well bankruptcy with with print about basically and yeah it's a 3d printer it's a kickstarter so there is some kickstarter experience um in the team there so the question that that um uh, Gentile Giuliano is, is asking essentially is like hey is Plybot still happening because this was one and a half years ago and uh, the Kickstarter completed and now there is a an Indiegogo campaign where you can pre-order more units without the Kickstarter I believe even being fulfilled yet so Stefan you have some insight there you, you actually talked to Brooke at Murph what's what's going on
1: I, I talked to him and I didn't know all of the things that that happened over the last one and a half years and i approached him uh, with hey brooke i was hoping to see your uh your printable right here i know not your your printable your plywood right here and he just (laughs) so um he basically didn't tell me a ton and um after murph i also did a bit of research and there's still plenty of updates available on the status of the printer board and why it hasn't shipped yet and Playboard. that they're hoping to ship pretty soon. Um, so if you are interested in that, check out the, the, the Plyboard Kickstarter page. Um, as it sounded to me, they are currently still lacking a, a bit of funding, but hope to get that pretty soon. I hope that this is going to happen, but they haven't shipped anything yet which is unfortunate, which is one of the reasons why I, of course, again, was very hesitant with, um, the, uh, with the Bamboo Lab, for example, because these things happen. And um, you, well, pledged your money in the company um, or well, on I, a product. I, I, and just to be clear, I personally, I didn't like you yeah the but backers, y- you yeah. you as behind the camera or behind the i don't know loudspeakers, headphones yeah. um and you're you're not getting anything from that and the plybot i think it was starting at three hundred bucks, so it's yeah. it's something that is still a significant amount of money that you are potentially b- losing when you're backing something like that, and people need to be aware of that, and I hope the best for the Plybot team that the machine's gonna release at some point, but yeah, so far, nothing shipped yet.
0: Yeah, Plybot is almost silent, it says on the Kickstarter page, um, but the project updates at least are not as silent, so just checking the, the updates. Yeah, exactly, and this is, is the thing
1: the- uh, yeah. that Kickstarter, so if you're making a Kickstarter, <laughs> basically, <laughs> What can happen is that you don't ship a product in the end, but you are obliged to give recent update. What what is happening and why things are happening? I don't know what happens if you don't do that at some point because you already have the money, but this is the only obligation that that, that you basically have.
0: And they're doing that. um, Of course, there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff happening, just international supply chain issues, et cetera. So I can't really blame them even. Um, no, for, just look at
1: Prusa at time. the moment, increasing yeah. uh, prices of the Mark III by 150 bucks and the price of the mini, I think by a hundred bucks. I talked to, uh, to Joe and he just said, yeah sourcing is, yeah. is, is so bad at the moment, hardware and electronics. So, yeah, especially
0: if you need like one specific component and you can't like redesign your board real quick and mm-hmm. just say hey, I'm going to use a different ADC or a different mm-hmm. microcontroller or whatever. If you need one specific board, you're screwed. And you need not just 10 of them, oh, you yeah, need the <laughs>
1: 10,000 or 100,000 of them. Yeah. So, yeah, s- s- Scalpers and you don't want to pay scalper prices for for like really simple components so hopefully that's getting better over the next time when when
0: when when is it going to get better that's the question what is the what is the the thing that needs to happen for this to get better um well so things already
1: got better i thought i would never be able again to buy a graphics card for my pc oh yeah and graphics card prices are down again so things can get back to normal um i think the what's currently happening in in ukraine doesn't help that if that would not have happened i think supply chains supply chain issues would not be as big as they are at the moment but since that can still take like years um it's again or it's it's still gonna take a while for new supply chains to form and uh, things are uh, things getting back to normal um Covid is also n- not helping at the moment, yeah. even though it's it is deemed
0: people over. live.
1: People try to live with it in in Europe and in North America, but um, if you're running like a serious Covid uh, strategy in, in in China, it's things cannot be as they used to be um, three years ago, and either they sort out their stuff on their own or we uh, need to build factories for yeah making our own stuff which is a very hard
0: thing yeah that's going to be that's not going to happen yeah so fingers crossed um, i mean yeah. if, I, i'm i'm pretty sure everyone just go, wants to go back to normal but uh, there's no guarantee that's ever going to come mm-hmm. Okay, and with that super positive outlook, wow, <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a note to end on. Um, that super positive outlook, um, I would say we're going to talk to each other in uh, two weeks again.
1: Yeah, that's a positive outlook.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. If you want to support us, you can do so individually on Stefan's or mine, YouTube, memberships, Patreon, etc. cetera all linked down below um stefan does the show notes i just uh record and, and edit these shows um <laughs> with that said have a have a good one and we'll yeah. see you and hear you in the next one
1: Bye-bye. bye bye bye